Welcome to the Building the Cooperative Classroom podcast, the official podcast of the Johnson & Johnson Cooperative Learning Institute. Welcome to the Building the Cooperative Classroom podcast. This is Adam Rubica. Uh, you're joining us for part three of our interview with Allison Guest, Assistant Principal for Teaching and Learning at Maine East High School. In this episode, she talks a little bit about how to move evaluation conversations from uh, true evaluation conversations back to coaching conversations, especially with regards to implementing cooperative learning in the classroom. And we also have a good discussion of the CASEL standards and how cooperative learning social skills blend nicely with uh, the focus on teaching and social emotional learning in the classroom. Talk if you can for a second. You you know you you said things like content and social skills. If you're doing all those social skills, how did that affect the content? I mean, so many people say, well, if I'm taking time to do all this stuff, it's going to take much longer. I don't know. I always notice that when in the beginning, it's like starting over. So it's like helping them learn how this is going to go. And then over time, then I was able to move through content faster. I always thought then like every year I tried it different ways of like, okay, we're going to teach chart this social skill or this group of social skills at the beginning. So then when we did, we, when we were going to use them, we're going to pull that T-chart out and we made them together. So it wasn't me then giving them a T-chart. It was like, hey, what does it look like and sound like to, you know, for, for this skill that we're going to use at some point? And then we'll just pull out our binder. I don't know. What do you, what do you think? <laughs> I think I would agree. I think I would agree with you. And I think we've probably talked about that at some point on a previous episode, maybe, hopefully. But it's, um, it's certainly roadblock for many people when they get started because it does take a while to get moving but once once you get there and once kids start to to really get it and they and they really start to sink or swim together then it it does go faster so i agree with you let's let me talk a little bit more or let me hear you talk a little bit more about your role as a as a administrator as an evaluator one of the things that that i hear from time to time is Oh yeah, cooperative learning. I do that stuff. I'm very dismissive of it being intentional practice. You know, when you when you talk about the formal evaluation process, cooperative learning hits nearly every box within domains two and three. And when you start to sort of show that to teachers, and they're and they're dismissive of, oh yeah, I do that cooperative learning stuff. Do you go to Danielson and show them like, well, here's where you would be if you were doing cooperative learning, but here's where you are. Is the evaluation piece, is it, is, it, is it impactful or do you take a different tact when, when discussing it with them? I don't usually just bring up the rubric right away. I don't just go to like, hey, let's look at, you know, domain two and talk about, you know, creating rapport and like 2A. You know, I don't, I don't bring that up. Like I know the language enough that on Danielson that we can talk about like, okay, like, where do you, you know, where do you see that this could, you know, we can improve on this part. And then eventually I, you know, we'll, we'll maybe get to the rubric as we talk through, but it's like, I think really is still goes back to like, well, what kind of conversation do I, do I want to have? Do I want to say like, I need to have a direct, direct conversation because something didn't go well. And I want to tell a teacher, like, this is what you need to do. Or is it the coaching conversation? So it's like asking some questions one, because I want to get further about where are their beliefs Right. Do they see that, you know, why are they doing cooperative learning? Do they want to do cooperative learning? If they say like, well, I'm already doing that. Well, tell me more about that. What does that look like for you? You know, you know, really getting that to the, I kind of just want to get to the heart of asking the question of, okay, like, okay, well, like, well then tell me where you're embedding all five parts of, of, um, 
the cooperative learning pieces, the elements um, in your practice. I think that it just, I think part of it too is the differentiating coaching piece. It depends on the teacher. Like if you know your teacher, you know then how you're going to be able to ask questions, how deep do you want to go to be able to get there? Like what I don't, I don't, I have not heard many people at least recently say the, well, I already do that or I'm already doing that. I think the intentional part of being specific of asking about like, well, tell me what, you know, tell me about the positive independence that you were implementing. Okay. Well, was it there or not? Okay. Well, how can we make that better? I think that that's, that's the important piece of making sure that, well, one, I think they understand then too, when I'm asking those questions, they're just kind of like, oh, you actually do know like cooperative learning. You've maybe taught, you know, like I, they know that I've been training before since I've been in the districts for, you know, for so long, even people, I think that, I mean, going back, I think trained a lot of them originally then years ago. And so I think that's that comfort level of them knowing then too, that I know what I'm talking about and I have their best intention um, or their, um, my intentions, I think that are wanting them to be better at what they do and really care about them and care about their students. And so it's not to out to get them type of thing, but it's also like, what's even one small piece. Like you can tell the difference when you're asking someone of, okay, can I ask one question? Can I ask three, you know, three questions? Like what, what can they handle? Um, But a lot of it, I think starts like with belief, like, where are they then I think, and like, do they actually want to implement this or not? Let's say somebody doesn't believe, believe in cooperative learning. How do you start to change those beliefs? Now you're like making me go back like 10, like at least seven to 10 years here, Adam, (laughs) probably. Um, I mean, I've got like a couple of people in, in my head of just conversations that I had. I mean, Derek is right there. Don't you can't talk about him. What Derek? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm always thinking about the conversations that I've had with people over time. It's not about necessary. It, it, I don't even know if it's the belief part. I think it's that people are scared that they're giving up control of their classroom and giving up control of their classroom it's scary sometimes because it's not about me anymore. And it's now putting things in the hands of the students. And what is that going to look like then, especially when as a teacher, it's like, if someone walks in my room and this isn't going well, what are they going to think about me and about what's happening to my classroom? Instead of seeing like, I notice when that happens, like even now I notice when people are doing that and I'm encouraging them of knowing, like, I really appreciate that you're trying this. Like, this is awesome that you put this in place. Did it go like, is it the best way to be able to do that? Well, no, but I can tell that you're actually trying to get better at this. And so like, is that, that's the encouragement along the way. Um, I mean, I'm just thinking back to a number of teachers, like coaching wise, because I think over time our like the district are more teachers are utilizing cooperative learning. And so there's, there's less of, I'm seeing of that. Like I, I can't, I don't think I work with any teacher this in my building that is not using some type of cooperative learning at this point or having those kinds of conversations. But I'm just thinking back and we're like talking about those seven to 10 years ago, a lot of it had to do with fear of what was going to happen. And I do remember like a specific conversation with the teacher about that, that there was an interaction that I had had with the teacher and it wasn't a very positive conversation and had to um, wrap back around with the teacher of like, okay, so tell me more about what's going on. And it really came down to I just don't know how to do this well. Like, I just don't know how to put this in place and have this go, go well. And I had to tell the teacher, I'm like, you know what? Now one of us started out where this was like, perfect. Like you have to start somewhere small. Like I'm always thinking if people are nervous about doing anything with cooperative learning, I'm like, let's just try a think pair share. 
like that to me is very simple strategy where it's then just like putting kids in just a pair, having them talk for 30 seconds, and then you can call in anyone. And there's like so much with cooperative learning that's built into that. And so it's just seeing where their comfort level is and starting small and then just building off of that. Allison, I have a great question for you about social skills. We've had a game board for a long, long time that came from, I believe, the Brown Book, right? Is in the mm-hmm. Brown Book. Is That is in chapter six. No, chapter... Somebody help me out what chapter is then. When we talk about social skills and the the what we refer to as the game board, right? It's the it's the traveling from the the most basic of skills in those forming skills to those most complex skills, those fermenting skills. We see so much emphasis now in school about social skills, but they've evolved. And so we we now point toward like our castle standards and skills. How would you, how would you say, you know, can we implement those castle standards instead of what we see in the Brown book? Do we mix them both? Um, How have social skills evolved, you know, from the time you started with, with cooperative learning until, you know, what you see now? Like I have multiple thoughts in my head. One, when you look at equity, specifically, I think then more now of when you look at that game board, there are a couple of things on that game board. I don't think that we could say that all students have to do that. Um, making eye contact, I know then talk about that as one of our forming skills that I don't necessarily think that making eye contact then maybe is the best thing in all cultures. And so, or it's something that is needed in all cultures. And so we have to be very careful of that, of the students that are in front of us, that if I say that you need to be making eye contact with, you know, the speaker, or if I'm talking to you then as the teacher, that sometimes showing eye contact is a form of disrespect. And so like, that would be just one example of when we look at that game board and just have to make sure and be mindful of um, what's on there and what that looks like or sounds like for all of our students. That's why I think that I'm I always want to make sure that when we're utilizing that game board, we are having conversations with students. We're not doing it to them. We're saying, what does this look like, sound like for all of us and making sure that we're, we're including all voices in that conversation. I do see though. So like now kind of wrapping in your castle piece, I do see where the five, five competency, five competencies for castle do a nice blend or enhance the social skill piece. Like I do see a lot of where the social skills are embedded in a lot of the relationship skills that are part of Castle. There are a lot of things though, I think on that game board that are a lot of, I'll be honest, speaking listening skills that are part of Common Core that I think that we just maybe overlooked when we we just did not actually take the time when Common Core came out to actually look at that and, and start talking about how those overlap. But I do see where Castle does a nice job, I think, of, of enhancing the opportunities that we have. I think that um, talk a lot about that with our, you know, with, with teachers now of, again, going back to the whole like learning target to the task to then, okay, well, what are they actually going to do with the task that's going to inform you then of what, like if they're working in a group or even individually, what do you want, what do you want them to practice so they can actually have conversations about that before they do the task and even if it's not not the relationship social skills that they're building, it might just be then some of the other pieces of the castle. So it might even just be responsible decision-making depending on the activity. If it's self-awareness, 
being able to specifically talk about that and have conversations with students to be able to break that break down what that actually means to them. So what would that look like? Um, what would I see or hear standing in the doorway, closing my eyes then, and then making sure including then are all students that rep are represented in the classroom being heard then when we have that conversation? I think that's a great point that we might not necessarily want to expect all of the elements of the game board to be present in a classroom. That's something that we were actually talking about at the last training um, when Derek and Aaron came to my school, that the game board is our suggestions. They aren't, they aren't prescriptive. And that if we want to come up with our own social skills that fit somewhere in that framework, the four Fs are the key. And we, knowing that our students are somewhere along that continuum and that every student's in a different place along that continuum, and our goal is to move them along. So just like we want to pre-assess our academic skills, we want to pre-assess our social skills, and we're going to individualize instruction based on where our students are. I think the key piece that anyone using the CASEL standards and, and focusing on SEL in the classroom can take from cooperative learning is this idea that it is part of your instruction. It's not a separate thing that we do. And cooperative learning was very good about that, and the Johnsons were very um, explicit about this, that you're not doing a social skills lesson and then you're doing an academic lesson. It's all the same thing. Um, and they're, they're being assessed at the same time. And I think that's something that, I don't know if it's missing from specifically Kassler, just the, the larger discussion of, of supporting social emotional learning in the classroom, but um, it seems to be something that's often left out. And with that, that's a good stopping point in our interview with Allison, but Rest assured, we will be back with her again next week. Until then, let's cooperate. Thank you for listening to the Building the Cooperative Classroom podcast, the official podcast of the Johnson & Johnson Cooperative Learning Institute. Please check out the show notes for all relevant links, including a link to our Twitter account and the Cooperative Learning Institute webpage. This podcast is copyrighted under the Creative Commons license, copyright 2021. Theme music courtesy of Jimmy Ryan.